Welcome in to the Paul Kuharski podcast. I'm Paul Kuharski of paulkuharski.com. This broadcast is in affiliation with 440 Sports. I have said my name three times in short order, which is the law of the land. I'm anxious to talk Tennessee Titans with you. We're going to hit on the defensive energy of the just concluded minicamp, Traylon Burke's confidence, a different drill, something that we've never seen before out there. The deal with Kevin Byard right now and a little bit more brought to you by Jasper's Restaurant um, in Nashville, a fine eatery. There's room for a primary sponsor on this podcast. So get in touch with me if you're interested in that slot. I'd love to talk to you about it. And away we go. The offense right now has good energy by the very nature of what the offense is doing because the offense is new. It's new terminology, one-word play calls, different tempo, faster. And so we see Ryan Tannehill kind of energized by that, by the very nature of it, not that he's not usually upbeat and running things in a in a uh, controlled fashion. But everybody on offense who is a holdover from last year has to be minding his P's and Q's because – can't do any kind of any kind of level, intentional or unintentional, of going through the motions based on having done this stuff before or knowing this stuff because a good deal of it has changed. Now, the defense is largely the same defense. Of course, there are going to be tweaks and changes and the like um, because – you know, defense is constantly evolving, but uh, coaching staff primarily the same. Jim Schwartz is gone, but not nearly the changes that we've seen on the offensive side of the ball. Um, my son, several years ago already, played baseball with a kid who had a terrific mom whose slogan was kind of celebrate everything. You know, they did the traditional holiday stuff, obviously, and birthday parties and the like. But, you know, if a kid got a big hit in the game, they'd for sure have ice cream on the way home and, and stuff like that. They made an occasion out of stuff that wasn't necessarily always an occasion. And I thought of her during this mini camp because the defense celebrated everything. Um, and I thought to uh, to an extra degree, they've done this in the past, but um, the defense was celebrating everything. LJ Davis, a cornerback, um, made a couple plays on Thursday, and not just the defensive backs, but the entire defense went wild. He broke up a pass play from um, from Levis to Reggie Robertson. Uh, in the back left end zone during a red zone drill and the defensive and the de defensive backs and the defense went crazy. A couple others. I remember along the way, uh, low ranking pass defenders making plays and getting this kind of reaction. Eric Garor, who's a five, eight, 174 pound corner out of Louisiana Lafayette gets the same kind of reaction. Now, I don't know if these two guys, Davis and Garor, are going to be guys that stick around or have a chance at the practice squad. I tend to think not. If they do, they were part of helping build this kind of stuff. If they don't, well, they've got a memory of this entire defense led by Jeffrey Simmons cheering them on. 
I think there's only so much team building that can be done at this time of year, non-contact practices. But I buy that there's something to this on some level right now. And Jeffrey Simmons certainly. Body language, flying uh, around, having fun. That's what it's about. This is where it started. at. Um, we know last year we didn't finish what we want to finish at. And honestly, it don't matter. We're trying to build something here, especially on the defensive side. You know, um, the chemistry, we had everyone here. Everyone just, I mean, we talk about it. We have a word of the day every day. And that's the message. Each guy's, I think everybody on the defense pretty much got up and spoke. So we, we everyone on the same page. So, and I think that's the biggest thing with us, uh, you know, communication. That's what we talk about each and every day. Let's communicate. Let's fly around. Let's have fun. So this week, um, the last couple of weeks has been what we expected. Um, it's a new year. And the fun stuff that's obvious to everybody out there, players as well as observers, is going to be, uh, you know, in space. It's going to be receivers against defensive backs, uh, you know. A clear sack where where uh, a rusher beats an offensive lineman, you know, and, and a play gets stopped for a sack, that's going to happen once in a while. More often that play is going to continue because that defensive end or uh, edge player is going to run by the quarterback. Uh, it's not going to get as much attention. There might be some hooting and hollering. But these are the kind of moments in pass defense that get everybody's attention, pass defense and, pa- and pass receptions. They get everybody's attention in a setting like minicamp. So sticking with that theme that that the attention goes to the outside, the, the big story from outside this minicamp this week has been that DeAndre Hopkins is slated to visit the Titans on Sunday. Um, and, you know, they came to, kind of came out of nowhere to be a team that earns or has won um, the first visit from DeAndre Hopkins. So clearly they've met some sort of parameter that Hopkins has set in order for him to come visit with them. And I would imagine take a physical, which is a a big part of things here. He had some level of a knee issue uh, during last season. Look, this is big that the Titans could get him here um, for sure. And if they were to sign him, he would be the best and most proven receiver on the roster automatically. But, you know, this isn't all fantastic. I I think they'd have to restructure one guy. Harold Landry's probably the best candidate. They could fit him, you know, to whatever length deal they could convince him to take short, short wise um, with, with money. They've got a little over $8 million in salary cap room. They still have to sign Will Levis. Um, But then, um, they could, they could go forward. They can make it work financially. Um, cap space after this year is, is not an issue. Um, and Deandre Hopkins, you know, still appears to be very capable of, of making a lot of plays, um, for whoever he's playing for. He's got familiarity with Vrabel and with Tim Kelly. So those are things that go in his favor. Um, you can't not chase him. If you're the Titans, they're desperate, but he's not a practice guy. Albert Breer had somebody saying that in in his reporting about this. I've since talked to a a personnel guy with another team who told me the same thing, who also said the price tag should be five to seven million dollars a year plus incentives. Uh, I have trouble seeing Hopkins settling for that. 
that not not being a practice guy is not a variable thing. It did not work out with Julio Jones, who was very much not a, a practice guy. The Titans have laid back here and been quiet, and this comes out of nowhere, that they get the first visit. That's a good thing. Vrabel laughed off the idea that he's done recruiting here, that he's done with recruiting since he, you know, he did it while he was a college coach and he doesn't do it anymore. That's nice if he wants to say it, but there's a degree of recruitment that's gone on here, certainly for them to get him to come to Nashville. Um, and it's funny how the narratives immediately change. You know, it went from no way would DeAndre Hopkins consider the Titans. They're not competitive enough and he's only going to go to a, super competitive team and now that he's coming here there's no way would they sign him he's just using them for leverage well you know these no ways get knocked down if he's coming here he would consider signing here i think he doesn't have a line of suitors the way people expected he would certainly not at the price he was hoping for the odell beckham deal for 15 million dollars plus incentives that could get him to 18 million in baltimore screwed up the price for him um, and, and so that's a problem. I say, don't discount, don't discount the possibility that the Titans could land him, but if they do land him, don't discount the possibility that it could be a disappointment here. Two times in recent history, we've been in the exact same position on a similar timetable where Jadavian Clowney was going to come in and be a savior for the Titans and was a flop. And where the aforementioned uh, Julio Jones, who they had to give up draft picks for, was going to come in and be a savior for the Tennessee Titans and was also a massive flop. So, you know, hopefully third time's a charm if they, in fact, land DeAndre Hopkins. But I think if you're smart this time, if they land the guy, I would be much more cautious about expectations with him. Sure, you'd much rather he and Traylon Burks be lining up as the two outside wide receivers. You would much rather that Chris Moore and, and Nick Westbrook-Akine be slotted to uh, you know fourth and fifth wide receiver positions with Kyle Phillips in the slot. But he just turned 31, Hopkins. He doesn't like to practice a lot. He had a PED suspension last year. If he's taken PEDs to stay healthy, to get stronger, the reason people take PEDs, that also suggests that age is uh, age and injuries are catching up to him. Um, Got to reduce the expectations and let it be gravy if he comes in here and is, is the DeAndre Hopkins that used to slice up the Tennessee Titans for the Houston Texans. Um, you know, let's learn from the expectations that there were for Julio Jones. That's probably not the DeAndre Hopkins that that we became familiar with in Houston, uh, walking through the door. That it's a lesser version. And then let's hope that he's not Carl Pickens, Randy Moss, Eric Molds, Andre Johnson. Julio Jones is five pack right there of receivers who come to this franchise late in their career. And the five of them collectively offered virtually nothing. Titans again are in a position where they're forced to chase this. I think all of us would wish that they did something earlier, younger. Um, but 
they're due for a home run with one of these guys, but don't bank on it. Don't bank on it. Funny story about last week, uh, and I know a lot of you watched this podcast on YouTube. I hope a lot of you who watched this podcast on YouTube last week watched it later rather than early, because if you watched it earlier, you saw a gaffed-filled rendition of this. So I, um, I edit it, obviously, after I film it. I usually have a couple false starts at the beginning. I have to tighten up the beginning. I tighten up the ending. And last week, because I didn't plug in my computer, I had to pause in the middle because I was running out of power. I had to run over and plug it, plug it in so that I could make it all the way through the podcast. So I um, somehow in the editing process, um, I did the beginning and the end of one version. And then when I went to do the middle, I did the middle of another version and I posted that version. So it had all my false starts at the beginning of the podcast on the YouTube version on YouTube. And then I went to Memphis with my son uh, for a baseball tournament. I got back and I saw that there were some comments on the YouTube version and they were calling me names, the bad ones and the good ones were making lighthearted fun of my poor editing where I had included the false starts. So I somehow was playing with two files instead of the same file. I told Simon what an idiot I was and what I had done. And he said, well, fix it. I'm like, hey, my name's on this too. So, of course, I immediately took it down and went to fix it, commented, you know, to the people like, hey, that was an all-time stupid mistake and all of that. Prayed that nobody was going to, you know, put it up on Twitter, what I had done. Um, and maybe one of you has it out there and ready to blackmail me with it at any time. But here I am being candid about my stupid, stupid mistake. So I can assure you that this edition of the Paul Kuharski podcast on YouTube will be very well edited. And also I'm plugged in right now. So there will be no break in the middle. Really stupid moment. Traylon Burks. Traylon Burks is a completely different guy right now than he was last year at this time or at any time. He is exuding confidence on the field. He looks like a number one guy. Um, you know, he's made a lot of good catches this week. Maybe the best he went, uh, you know, they worked red zone Wednesday and Thursday and, uh, he took a pass from Ryan Tannehill that was, you know, qualified as 50-50-ish, but wound up 95-5 uh, the way he just went and plucked it away from Roger McCreary, um, a man from a boy, um, given their size and strength differential, really impressive. Later at the podium, a shy guy from last year who didn't always make eye contact and would often uh, wear a towel over his head um, and and just kind of mumble his way out of situations maybe as often as he could, you know, just had so much. He's, he's just brimming with confidence. He's welcoming the attention. Um, he's welcoming the role. Here's just a sample of, of, of the way he's talking right now. really hasn't been a challenge like it was last year just because me being here the whole off season, so that's helped a lot. Um, just be, being able to go in with Ryan Malik 
and um, Coach Rob and Tim and just get ahead on certain things and just making sure, like, when it's time to come out here and practice that I know what I'm doing. So, yeah. I think there's a legitimate reason to be excited about this guy right now. Trouble is, unless Hopkins is here, he's going to be double teamed regularly. He, he's going to have to figure that out. Um, you know, hopefully for the Titans, defenses will still um, – and I think they should be primarily concerned with Derrick Henry, um, you know, load the box, try to stop Derrick Henry at all costs, worry about getting beat over the top after they get beat over the top. But um, Traylon Burks looks smooth. Um, he looks smooth. Be excited about this guy, um, you know. But you got to have with him, because he had some injuries last year, um, some, some concern. I think it's trepidation with everybody on this team who's been hurt before and also everybody who hasn't been hurt yet because of what it's gone through the last two years. A bit more about him coming up and a story that maybe will attach itself to him um, throughout his career, I wonder. We're sponsored here uh, by Jasper's, a fine bar and restaurant on West End Avenue in Nashville, just off uh, Interstate 40. I can't say enough good things about the place. I go there periodically with uh, my headphones on, catching up on a podcast. You should be catching up on this one. Take this podcast, go to Jasper's for lunch, or early dinner, sit at the bar, order up a fine drink or a cold beer, get some dinner, do some reading. You multitasker like I am, I read and listen to a podcast. Absorb both completely, I guarantee you. Um, or if you're not a loser like me and you have friends with you, you can go out on the patio, play some free pop a shot, uh, some free shuffleboard. You've already have parked for free if you're there. Um, you can have business lunch there also. Uh, bring a date, your spouse, um, have, have a nice dinner. Um, the guys, guys night, girls night, whatever suits you. If for some reason you're unfortunately unable to go inside, stop at the grab and go market, find what you need for the evening uh, and go home a hero. Jasper's uh, fills your every need. Check them out. I, uh, I assure you, you will enjoy it. Back to the Titans stuff here. Um, well, Kevin Byer. He made it seem when he finally talked on Thursday after his presence at the three-day minicamp, which, by the way, if he did not attend, would have cost him $93,000. So, you know, we could say, well, good guy who decided to, to uh, appear for at least is mandatory, right? So he wasn't around for OTAs. Doesn't make him a bad guy, but it, it breaks with what he has traditionally done. Um, so he talked on the third day after everything wrapped up and he made it seem like things are cool that he planned from the very beginning before any of the contract discussions went down between he and the Titans, where they asked him to take a pay cut plan long before that told the coaches long before that, like right after the season was over that he was going to work out on his own this off season, made it like his workouts on his own this off season, put him, far ahead of the team and that coming to OTAs would have slowed him down. Well, coming to OTAs doesn't prohibit you from doing your own workout stuff. You know, it's 10 practices. Um, so 
I, I don't know about that. And and look, um, Kevin Byard, to the best of my recollection, has been at everything except 2020. There was no offseason because of COVID. And early in 2021, the NFLPA really pushed its guys hard not to go to offseason voluntary workouts because the Players Association was building a case and had a little bit of momentum with its membership to say the 2020 season went fine with no workouts in the offseason. Things came off without a hitch. There wasn't a slew of bad football at the beginning of that season. There wasn't a slew of injuries at the beginning of that season with no offseason, with uh, a different kind of preseason, with no preseason games. So let's build off that momentum, the PA said to the membership, and let's show them that these voluntary workouts are unnecessary and we don't need to be there. And so attendance was down across the league, and Bayard was one of the veteran Titans who didn't show up for the early part of the Titans workouts, if I'm remembering that correctly. And I'm pretty sure I am outside of that. I remember Kevin Byard being a pretty regular guy and that um, routine coming to OTAs helped him be a very good player for all, but one bad year he had in his career, which was the, Shane Bowen, first year as a coordinator season where the Titans were really bad defensively and Byard was overextended and had a really bad year. Um, Byard was all pro the year that he stayed away for a little bit. He was also first team all pro in 2017. But And look, he did well answering questions and talking to us. He's an affable guy. He's the best media guy in the Titans locker room. We started giving an award last year, the most helpful guy, and he won it unanimously, you know, and he's not obligated to, to answer, but for him to, to get up and say, you know, the, the request for a pay cut was, was not a big deal. It's business as usual, had nothing to do with the reason I wasn't here. I, I'm not saying he's fibbing, but it just doesn't, that the dots don't seem to fully connect to me. And I wrote more extensively about this in a, in a, free piece at, at paulkuherski.com. You should become a member of the site if you aren't already. But the thing is, if he had in fact decided way back um, in late January, early February, that he wasn't going to be at OTAs because he was going to work out on his own, it doesn't make sense for him to wait to say that until June 8th. When the issue, the idea that it, the pay cut request may have been an issue for him. The pay cut request came to light on March 17th and Rand Carthon confirmed the pay cut request on April 24th. That's an awful long time to let this hang in the air. And for Titans fans and sponsors and everybody else to be allowed to believe that there's an issue between Kevin Byard and the Titans, that the Titans somehow indelicately handled this request for a pay cut or that it got to Kevin Byard emotionally, psychologically made him angry or whatever, whether it did or didn't. Now he said he told the Titans coaches very early on, he wasn't going to be around at OTAs and workout. Now he says, but why would I offer any clarification? I control what I can control. 
Well, you could control this storyline with one tweet saying, hey, I told the Titans coaches early on I wasn't going to be at OTAs. has nothing to do with contractual stuff. I'm just going to bust it on my own. I mean, that would have silenced this whole I – don't, I don't understand how you don't care about the conversation that's going out there. It's tainting your reputation. Why would you let your reputation be tainted when you could have quashed it or your agent with one tweet or one line to people at you know, any number of, of reporters, or TV outlets or whatever could have, could have quashed it. It doesn't make much sense to me. Ryan Tannehill did the same thing last year. He let it sit for three weeks that he had an awful stance on mentoring Malik Willis. And he was so put off by that that he spent three and a half minutes at the beginning of his next press conference clarifying it. But when I said, well, why didn't you just put something out after it was misconstrued? He said, oh, why, why would I do that? Well, why would you let yourself be misconstrued for three weeks? The Titans have these guys trained to not care. It doesn't make much sense. If you can control the storyline, if you can control the narrative, control it. I mean, I like, I understand the Titans like to act and they like their players to act like they don't give a shit. Well, they should give a shit. These storylines aren't good for the Titans. It's not good that last summer their quarterback looked like he didn't give a shit about mentoring the new quarterback. And it's not good for Kevin Byard to look like he's bitter at the Titans for asking him to take a pay cut if, in fact, that's not been the case. So why not just quash that with a sentence on social media or with a line on fed to somebody connected to NFL Live or Good Morning Football or any of these, you know, information guys or a local reporter, God forbid, or, or whatever. But I, I don't know why you're content, even if you're not paying regular attention, somebody's telling you what the tone of the conversation is out there from March 17th all the way until June 8th, virtually everyone who follows the Titans presumed that Kevin Byard had some kind of beef with the team and still might presume it, quite frankly. I'm skeptical as to whether there isn't some undercurrent of bitterness there. And another element of this is, you know, they signed Jeffrey Simmons, and I don't doubt for a second that Kevin Byard was perfectly happy for Jeffrey Simmons. But while they're you know, and they do this for every guy that they sign to a big contract, touting Jeffrey Simmons, you know, everything you want in a Titan on and off the field, wonderful community guy, everything. They said all these same things when they signed Kevin Byard. But Kevin Byard's probably hearing this and he's thinking, hey, I'm all those things too. And you just asked me to take less money. And I've represented you in the same way Jeff Simmons has. It's got to hurt him on some level. It's got to hurt him on some level. Not a level where he's going to sit at a podium and tell us. But you believe there's nothing there? Do you? I don't know that I do. One drill that uh, was run at practice on Thursday that I've never seen under a slew of wide receiver coaches. Rob Moore's done a good job with what he's had to work with um, in uh, – since, since Mike Vrabel took over, he's been his coach at wide receiver since 2018. Um, so the receivers were uh, running to a cone, cutting back a little bit and running to uh, a dummy, a, a tall bag, 
and Pat O'Hara, now uh, who analyzes the passing game, was throwing passes to the to the top of that dummy. The defensive back was supposed to uh, kind of get a hand on that dummy, and at the point the ball arrived, get a hand on the dummy and get the other hand on the ball, knock the ball down, play defense, so to speak. So it's a misthrown pass. Um, turn into a defender and make sure that doesn't turn into an interception. Now there's a lot of room for a joke here. Ah, uh, they've seen their quarterbacks throw and they know their wide receivers are going to wind up playing defensive back on this. That's funny and all, but I mean, this is a play that's going to happen periodically in games. It's, it's a smart thing to, to work on situationally on this. And I, I was struck by it talked to Austin Stanley of the A to Z was there and also noticed it. And uh, he had video of it out as do I, you can see two angles of it. Um, but um, interesting thing. I don't know if Traylon Burks didn't understand what the theme of the drill was, or if Traylon Burks is talented enough to say, well, the ball's catchable for me there. I'm going to damn well go and catch it for me. And so the first couple balls Mason Kinsey, maybe Kyle Phillips were were kind of thrown early or underthrown, where a guy maybe didn't even get there to touch it or to knock it down. But by the time the rhythm of the drill got going, um, the ball was gettable for Traylon Burks. And he said, to, to me, it looked like he said, well, screw it. I'm not going to get there and knock it down so that this guy can't pick it off. I'm going to go do what my job is. I'm going to catch it. And so he did. And he was the only one of the Titans receivers to do so. So I thought that was a, a pretty good moment for Burks to illustrate uh, what he's capable of uh, in the middle of a drill that illustrates uh, something new the Titans are conscious of and, and working on. Um, somebody said on Twitter uh, in a comment to the video, it's kind of drill that uh, might've won you a playoff game. Was it the, uh, might've been the end of the Baltimore playoff loss where the interception that, that sealed it for the Ravens looked like that. Was it uh, a pass attempt to Khalif Raymond um, or was it the end of the Cincinnati game with the pass attempt to Nick Westbrook Aquina? I'm spotty on the details, but one of those two games um, ended with the interception that was on a play that looked like this drill and uh, maybe could have been avoided. Um, with the play like they were working on here. Check out Jaspers between now and the next podcast. Go have a good meal, a good drink, a good beer. Prepare yourself for shuffleboard in case we run into each other there because I will beat your bleep. And I'm not afraid to swear on here, but for some reason I just bleep myself. I'm Paul Kuharski. This has been the Paul Kuharski podcast. Join the site, get your membership greased with the cogs turning and everything ready to go for the start of football season. Titans uh, are on the field or report on July 27th. That's too soon for me and not soon enough for you, I'm sure. In the meantime, don't block the box and please be very sure to lock your locks.